Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer from Cat Swamp Road over in Hackettstown, New Jersey. And I want to thank you so much for joining me for the next half hour over here on Rural Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 147. So this is the show where steel and soil meet, and you're getting together with me in the farm shop. So what I'd like to do is first start out today by thanking Mr. Tim Koch, and I'm going to pronounce it Koch because it's spelled K-O-C-H, but I know it is the fertility company that is spelled the same way, and they call it, and they pronounce it Coke. So, but Mr. Tim Koch from Sterling, Virginia, who blessed me with a pin in my map. And if you don't know what that's about, I have a contest that you reach out to me, and I put a pin in my map for more or less the location of where you are. And the reason for that being is that I want to get a better handle on where my audience is so I could serve them more accurately. And then I also put you into the contest for a free Hot Rod Farmer license plate, right? You win a free Hot Rod Farmer license plate. And that would be, uh, be great for me to be able to send that to you. So all you have to do is go to my website at farmmachinerydigest.com and then let me know where you listen from and fill it out and your name will be announced on the radio show and on my Idle Chatter podcast. So just go to the website and fill it out and we will be good to go. And we have two winners again this week. We have two winners every week and it's Joseph, Joseph Fravel and he is from New Albany, Ohio. And Mr. Seth Wood, if you guys listen, watch on TV, Corn Warriors or Podfathers, that is the man who's the, the, the driving force behind that, Mr. Seth Wood. And he's from Richmond, Virginia. So Mr. Fravel and Mr. Wood, reach out to me and we can, uh, I could get you those hot rod farmer license plates because you are this week's winner. So that is, I'm very, very excited about that. And the other thing that I wanted to talk about was to tell you what today's episode is going to be about. And what I'm going to do is I took five different areas, and I'm not going to say that they're uh, urban myth or rural myth, but I'm going to be debunking some very, very common myths about machinery and uh, about equipment and engines in general, because it's very important for you not to fall prey to these myths because like many myths they're steering you in the wrong direction and never forget that agriculture runs on machinery but profits on reliability Sirius XM Triumph helps you live your best life. This is Dr. Laura. If you want some no-nonsense advice about relationships, marriage, kids, or moral and ethical dilemmas in your life, call me. And get real-life advice on your money. Dave Ramsey here. For almost 30 years, I've been taking calls from people who all want the same thing, a plan. We'll give you the proven strategies for your life, your money, all right here on The Ramsey Show. Sirius XM Triumph 111. Or listen on the Sirius XM app. 
We know you love rodeo as much as we do. And now with the Cowboy Channel Plus app, there's a whole lot more to love. So whether you're listening to live rodeo action from across the country, browsing the archive to catch up on past events, or following along while you listen on the radio, we want to hear about it. Shoot an email to Patrick at RFDTV.com to let Rural Media Group founder and president Patrick Gotch know how you are using the Cowboy Channel Plus. Don't have it yet? Sign up at CowboyChannelPlus.com today. Hey, radio listeners, be sure to join us for the Better Horses Radio Show, aired on Wednesday and Thursday evenings at 11 p.m. Eastern on Rural Radio Channel 147 with hosts Ron McDaniel, Ernie Rodina, and me, Don Dawson. This week, we get a tip from Dr. Beard at KSU, and we visit with Tammy Sconce of Western Horsemen about Road to the Horse. Then we visit with Rob Smiths about the World Champion Rodeo Alliance. So tune in to the Better Horses Radio Show right here on Rural Radio Channel 147. We'll see you there. Bring Rural America's most important network with you on RFD-TV now. Watch from anywhere, at home, on the farm, even while riding your tractor. Stream agricultural news and weather, commodity market reports, along with traditional country music and entertainment for less than $10 a month. Go to WatchRFDTV.com to subscribe to Rural America's most important network. RFD-TV now. Welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer. And uh, well, I, well, during the break, I realized I thought in my headset that I was hearing a cricket. And as you know, I do record this show in our farmhouse over on Cat Swamp Road, right? So we're out in the country on the farm. You don't get much more hillbilly than Cat Swamp Road. And I know that down in my office, I got it. You know, it's that time of year where the crickets are coming in because I opened the door to the basement and my office is in the basement of the farmhouse where we record and to let the cats in and out, we have kittens. You may have remembered that from a previous episode, but I won't get into that again. And I guess uh, it's that time of year where the crickets came in. Last year, like my cat Donald was carrying them in in his mouth and I had a (laughs) a whole family of crickets down here for quite some time. And all my recordings from my Idle Chatter podcast and Farm Machinery Digest Radio had crickets in the background. So, hey, we're out in the country, right? You know it's real. We're not doing this from uh, downtown Brooklyn, New York. So, anyway, to get back on track, so I apologize for those crickets. And hopefully right now I do not hear him. So maybe he just uh, doesn't want to, maybe he's listening to the show, right? Maybe he's a hot rod farmer cricket. But what I'm going to do is, you know, over the years, I've, you know, coming from the auto industry, from the machinery side, the engine side, the engineering side, that there's lots of myths that are floating around. And there's, uh, there's no lack of myths when it comes to machinery, when it comes to engines. The same thing happens when it comes to farming, right? There's a lot of myths out there. And uh, those are often very, very hard to debunk because they've been around for so long, and uh, they almost be just by nature of them being around so long and being repeated so many times over the generations that they become fact when they're in honesty, they are not fact. So what I did is I chose five different myths that I wanted to debunk for you today on the show. And we will start with number one, right? And this is a common 
error that people make and it leads them down the wrong diagnostic path. And this is referring to a gasoline engine, any type of gasoline engine, and whether it's a small engine or a large engine, whether it's a fuel injected or carburetor, it makes no difference, is that you have a problem where it does not want to start. So one of the first things that people do is they check for spark. And the assumption is made that if it has spark, that all is good, meaning that all is good with the ignition system. Well, that is not a proper assumption because most people check for spark on a gasoline engine incorrectly. What they'll do is they'll either take the spark, take a spark plug wire off, or depending upon the application, take a take the coil wire off out of the distributor cap, and they'll hold it to ground, and they'll have somebody crank it. Hey, Joey, crank it over, right? And they'll hold it close to ground, maybe a half inch away from ground, and they will see if there's an arc and say, okay, it's got spark right or sometimes the guy gets shocked oh okay we got spark right and they'll do the same thing with a small engine like on a seed tender or lawn mower or lawn tractor or weed whacker or chainsaw or what have you right the thing basically is is that it's yes you do have spark obviously we can't deny that because you saw it and you felt it but we you need to keep in mind that when you're asking an ignition coil any type of ignition coil to create an arc in atmosphere versus in the pr- in, inside the cylinder jumping the gap of the spark plug all right under cylinder pressure the pressure being the piston pushing compressing the air if it goes as it goes to top dead center is completely different and why is it different because it is very easy to jump the gap or to create an arc, I should say, or even if you took the spark plug out and held this, put the, put the spark plug in the wire and, and touched it to ground. So the, the take-home message here is that that is not a true test. Now, obviously, if you have no spark whatsoever, then that is a true test. But because you have spark in an atmospheric condition without cylinder pressure is meaningless. So that means that that coil may not be strong enough to actually arc the spark plug when you're trying to start the engine and or another common mistake that people make is that that the engine may run or run very poorly and it may not want to take any throttle or any load because the coil does not have enough enough output to allow it to jump the gap of the spark plug under load so the so you may say well what is the proper way to check for spark on a gasoline engine the proper way is to use a spark tester next time you're in town you could you could buy one they're only a couple of dollars and it looks almost like a spark plug but it has a the center electrode is buried way down into the porcelain and that is to put a load on the coil so if you use a spark tester and it could jump that gap even though it's an atmosphere that is calculated to make up for cylinder pressure then that is a valid test okay the next myth we're going to debunk is that it is best to warm up an engine to idle it to temperature I know it's summertime, all right, but it makes no difference. But regardless, winter, summer, what have you, is that the one of the worst things you could do for any engine is to idle it to build temperature. And the reason being is that there is an excessive amount of wear in the engine when it's cold because the tolerances are, are, are off. 
there, there's a lot of there's a lot of constriction in the parts. The oil is not flowing properly, and there's all these plus there's a, whether it's a gasoline or diesel engine on a gasoline engine, regardless, even if it's fuel injected, you're going to have a much richer mixture, which is going to wash the oil off the rings. And on a diesel engine, you may you for all intents and purposes, you don't have much of a richer mixture. Some older diesels did rich in the mixture slightly, but you have poor. At, you have poor combustion and that poor combustion means there's going to be a lot of raw fuel left over going past the rings and washing the oil off and going into the crankcase all right now i international harvester before years ago in the 70s before they became case ih did a study and they said there was approximately 1100 percent more ring wear when an engine is cold than when it's warm or i should say ring wear and internal wear when it's cold and it's warm but predominantly piston ring wear all right so now but mind you that was back then when oils were different there were thicker oils different formulations so let's cut that in half instead of 1200 let's say 600 percent so there's 600 percent six times more and using cutting the number in half more wear on an engine when it is cold than when it is warm when it's an operating temperature I, temperature i should say so the thing is that you want to bring that engine to operating temperature as soon as possible so you shorten the time window when it is going to have that excessive amount of wear and that excessive amount of wear is not linear so it's not going to go from a le- from 1200 more down down to zero it's going to drop down as the engine starts to warm up and how do you do that is by either putting the the engine under some sort of load if it's a road vehicle you could drive it if it's a farm tractor or combine you could start to drive it to the field slowly low rpm slowly and let it build temperature very 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 important you don't want to let it idle to temperature third the third myth with debunking is when a fuse blows it's a short circuit well by definition a short circuit is what is called copper to copper that means two wires are touching together and when you're powering up one circuit it's it's going and sending power into the other all right or it's sending so that is what is by definition a short circuit if you have a now i'm going to get to that a short circuit can blow a fuse but historically if you blow a fuse immediately without turning something on then that is what is called an unintentional ground that the that a power wire has either had a sheet metal screw go through it or mice mouse ate it or uh, vibrated through and it's the copper and the industry we use the term copper meaning the wire the conductor of the electricity is touching ground so it's an unintentional ground so it's copper to copper is a short circuit so in other words you're powering up one circuit and another circuit turns on now keep in mind that that is conceivably could happen so let's say you have a power lead wire copper that worn through the insulation to a ground wire all right that worn through its insulation so yes that would be an unintentional ground but a short circuit is when you power something up and you press the horn arguably for ridiculousness and the windshield wipers go on that is a short circuit so you are bypassing the switch but now some people call it a short to ground well yes it but by if by electrical definition it's really not a short circuit it's an unintentional it's an unintentional ground 
So if you have a piece of equipment and it's constantly blowing the fuse, all right, then you have to look for this unintentional ground. So let's say you put the radio on and now it blows the fuse immediately, all right? The thing is you have to look and say, okay, is that radio, is that controlling power or is that controlling ground? Well, the radio is a bad example. Let's say you put the dome light on because you could have a circuit that's wired that the switch is putting power to it. So that's called power, battery looking for ground, or it's controlling the ground. Most windshield wipers control the ground. They're hot all the time. And when you turn the switch on for the wipers, it goes to ground. But regardless, if it's blowing the fuse, all right, it's historically, in most instances, an unintentional ground, all right? But also keep in mind that there are, let's say that the motor is jammed, the wiper motor is jammed. Well, it could blow the fuse then because it's jammed up. But it's not a short, it is an unintentional ground, okay? Next one, we're rolling right along here. That new friction surfaces do not need to be checked for trueness. And what we mean by a friction surface is a flywheel, a brake drum, or a rotor. Okay, that's a brand new, brand new rotor, right out of the box, brand new flywheel. Put it on there. Let's get going. Let's this thing put the, put it back together. That is a big, big, big mistake, specifically with a flywheel, because the flywheel needs to be parallel, and you cannot assume that because it's coming out of the box that it is that it is true and i'm going to use the word true instead of pa parallel for a flywheel but concentric for a drum or a rotor now keep in mind that that years ago years ago it used to be all of those parts were made with extra material on them because they were supposed to be checked and trued before they were put into surface and something like with a flywheel you don't want to split a tractor or a truck pull a transmission out put the flywheel on and then find out you have a problem that the clutch is chattering or grabbing because the surface is in parallel and the same thing with a braking system you don't want to have a a brand new brake job and then you step on the brake and it and, it, and you have a pulsation and usually what will happen with that with let's say with a brake rotor or drum that's out of that's out of round we'll call it that all right is that uh it may not happen for the for the first couple hundred miles because as it goes out around and you start to apply the brakes it's gonna it's going to cause it to warp more so you say why is it warped well it's probably warped for one of two reasons it may not have been perfectly made during the manufacturing process and these parts are dense they're heavy and they usually are mishandled in transport so they get thrown around the boxes get thrown around the guy takes the he, he's, he's holding the flywheel in a box and he it's heavy as anything and he drops it on doesn't drop it from five feet but he drops it the last inch or two on the floor in the shop in the in the store in the warehouse in the factory what have you so it is imperative for you and you know i've and i learned this from general motors years ago it's imperative and i've told this to a lot of people and they told me i'm full of malarkey so i would say okay fine let's go to the parts department there's a brand new i don't care what brand that is brand new brake drum there's a brand new rotor there's a brand new i'll usually use that as an example all right same thing with a flywheel a flywheel is more critical let's put it on the lathe and see how it is and they go son of a gun the thing is not true it is warped so keep so keep so keep that in mind so it's a friction surface flywheel brake drum or rotor all right the last thing i want to debunk here is that if the and this comes to, is in regard to engine coolant if the freeze point and color of the coolant is good all is fine now that is wrong because 
if they would be looking at a, at a crop and saying, well, it looks pretty green, that there's no nutrient deficiency. The color of the coolant and the freeze point have nothing to do with the other additives that make it a true engine coolant. So if you have a glyc, well, the all glycols, ethylene glycol, propylene glycol mixes, as long as you don't dilute it with more water than the original ratio, the freeze point is not going to change. The chemical composition of the glycol and its ability to not freeze is not going to change. But there's a lot more than glycol in a coolant. And there's anti-foaming agents, there's lubricity agents, there's... there's uh, 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 anti-cavitation uh oh there's all bunch of all bunch of actual i can't even think there's a whole about 10 different elements 10 different products that go into make it a suitable engine coolant you're not just pouring glycols in there all right and those add those other additive packages get consumed by the heating and cooling of the coolant as the engine is running <clears throat> excuse me which is a normal phenomena and the only way that you would be able to test that, to determine that, is through either a test strip, which is commonly used on big diesel engines, simply because there is so much coolant that you want to just to put in what is depleted. But on smaller applications, all right, people usually don't do that, and they look at the color and they look at the freeze point. Well, the color of the coolant is meaningless. It would be looking like the color of a crop. Once it starts to turn color, then it's like seeing your corn with the leaves all fired and shriveled up, and, 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 and that's, it's too late. All right, so you could have coolant that has no protection other than its ability, no corrosion protection or lubricity or anything other than its ability to not freeze. It could be completely spent, and it could look beautiful when you pull a sample. So the only the only accurate way to check that is with a test strip for the additive package or to pull a sample and send it to a laboratory. And historically, on a smaller engine, it doesn't pay to do that. You just change the coolant because it only takes a few gallons and you're putting new coolant in. But if you have an engine and the head gasket failed... All right, and you didn't overheat it because you popped a hole in the radiator and kept running it, or the thermostat stuck and you kept running it. It is because the coolant was depleted, and that coolant could actually often look very, very beautiful. And you could take a complete engine out and an and engine with a liner like a diesel, you could you could cavitate the cylinder, you could pop a hole in it, and then you you're kicking a connecting rod through the block so color is has is no true indicator once the color changes it is really 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 bad Welcome to Bushels and Cents from Farm Machinery Digest Radio, heard exclusively on Sirius XM Channel 147 Rural Radio. I am your host, Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer from New Jersey. When diagnosing an electrical problem in a circuit, you need to determine how it is wired. It can be battery looking for ground or ground looking for battery. Battery looking for ground means that the circuit is powered up all of the time and the ground side is shut on and off. Ground looking for battery describes that the voltage supply is switched, but the ground is constant. 
it must also be determined if a relay is part of the circuit. A relay allows a low amperage draw capable switch to control a high current draw circuit. And never forget, it is not what you make, but what you keep that counts. Agriculture runs on machinery, profits on reliability. Visit FarmMachineryDigest.com, where steel and soil meet. Hello, I'm Ethan Wayne. John Wayne and American Experience is in its second year in the Fort Worth Stockyards, and visitors are loving it. Come spend a couple hours and immerse yourself in Western nostalgia. Get a unique look into Duke's life that's only available here. All right, mister. You asked for it. Tickets available on johnwayne.com, or they may be purchased at the Cowboy Channel Bar across the street on Exchange Avenue. Reserve your tickets now. Fourth of July weekend, it's just ahead. AAA is calling for one of the busiest weekends on the road. We share hacks to make your camping holiday less stressful and help you with recipes the family will thoroughly enjoy, plus have outdoor and travel news. This is Beck with the Bend. Join us as we go through those stories and more this Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern time, right here, Rural Radio Channel 147 on Sirius XM. Welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. So if you have any questions or want to add some to your own myths about engines, then please reach out to me at Hot Rod Farmer at FarmMachineryDigest.com. But now it's time for the under, under the sheet metal segment where we first got to bring the hot rod, the hot rod man in, I was going to say the hot rod farmer, Tex Rubinowitz from Ripsaw Records. Come on in, buddy. Hey, everybody, Tex. Thank you so, so much. In Under the Sheet Metal, we're going to be talking about silicone spray and anti-seize. Most every farm shop has on the shelf two of the most valuable helpers, yet they are hardly ever used. What are they, you ask? Anti-seize compound and silicone spray. A can of clear spray silicone is a wonderful treatment for any rubber found on machinery or vehicles. Purchase the type that does not collect dust and use it to prevent weather stripping, constant velocity joint boots, hoses, rod ends, and countless other items. The silicone will prevent cracking along with weather checking and will keep the material pliable. Also, use it as a temporary lubricant when installing cooling system hoses or the like, or even like turbocharge hoses to the hoses, the rubber hoses onto a turbocharger or intercooler. Anti-seize compounds should be applied to spark plug threads, the hub for brake drums and rotors, and every nut and bolt. It will make for an it will make for a non-eventful disassembly in the future instead of a nightmare. You know, so often, specifically, let's say like with farm trailers or any application, with the brake parts with a drum with a drum goes onto the hub or the rotor goes on or the lugs go onto the stud. If you don't put anti-seize compound on there, and why I say like trailers are applications that aren't used often, and even if they are used, that they will rust together and it will be an absolute nightmare. Same thing happens with spark plugs. 
you want to be able to put an anti-seize compound on the thread. So those spark plugs today last a very, very, very long time. And on a smaller engine, they may be in there five, six, seven years, let's say like on a seed tender and it's sitting out in the dampness, or even if it's sitting in a shed, it's getting a lot of dampness there and what have you. And you don't want those that spark plug or that nut, that bolt or that drum, that brake drum or that rotor or that those lugs. You have a trailer, you have a car, a pickup truck. It makes no difference. A semi, a farm tractor, a little, or you buy a can of anti-seize compound and put it on there. It'll be your best, best, best friend because when you go to fix something, you do not have to fight taking it apart and that's really what it's all about so i want to thank you so much for tuning in and i want you to know that the hot rod farmer is pulling for you the american farmer and rancher and my beloved beloved america you have a blessed day and i will catch you all next week god willing thank you bye-bye Justin Mills here, rancher and host of the Working Ranch Radio Show, inviting you to join us on Saturday and Sunday at 12 noon Eastern on Rural Radio Channel 147. We'll go in-depth on topics that are relevant to the beef industry. Plus, we'll hear from meteorologist Don Day on the long-term weather outlook and the Captain Tim O'Byrne with Working Ranch Magazine will stop in for Tim's Two Cents. So join us on Saturday and Sunday at 12 noon Eastern for the Working Ranch Radio Show on Rural Radio Channel 147, Sirius XM. Rural Radio is the first and only national radio channel serving rural Americans on Sirius XM. Nowhere else on radio can you catch Western sports every single day, making Rural Radio the undisputed leader for Western sports coverage. Between our coverage and downloading the Cowboy Channel Plus app, you'll have access to any major Western sports news and events 24-7. Rural Radio Channel 147, the agribusiness and Western lifestyle channel. Hi, this is Red Stegall. I want you to join me every Saturday morning at 7 o'clock Eastern, and together we'll explore the life of the American cowboy through his poetry and his music on Cowboy Corner Collections. These are shows that we've recorded and aired over the past two decades, including the music and poetry of our friends as well as myself and the boys in the bunkhouse. With stories by America's great storytellers, join me as we ride through the West on Cowboy Corner Collections, Saturday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern on Rural Radio. At Rural Radio, we love the fact we can be with you wherever you are, in the cab, on your farm, on the road, in town. And at This Week in Agribusiness, we're especially proud to join you weekly on Rural Radio. Yeah, this is Max Armstrong. Maybe you know the voice. Join us Saturday mornings at 8 Eastern on Rural Radio, exclusively on Sirius XM 147. I'm Chase Hydebrader from Fort Branch, Indiana, and I listen to Rural Radio, channel 147 on Sirius XM.